This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of Spits and Suds. So glad to be with you. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Chap Shots, all over the NHL, as he always is. D-Magazine, you name it, he covers it. It's Sean Shapiro. Happy Friday to you, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really well. It's uh, going to enjoy the enjoy the weekend. It, it's a very weird... Uh, it is weird. I will. I do have to start with a slight gripe of it's a Friday night. There was 14 NHL games last night. There are 16 tomorrow. And uh, the Frozen Four is happening right now, but they played yeah. last night and tomorrow. So it's a Friday night that is dark on the NHL schedule. And college hockey's marquee event went head to head with two of the busiest days on the NHL schedule. So I do have a slight gripe where I should be um uh, i i'm not able to sit on my cat like from a as a as a from a viewership perspective i feel like there's a missed opportunity here for what my evening plan could be for both for both the nhl and college hockey okay so random story not to go down a rabbit hole but i actually used to date a girl from quinnipiac who's in the (laughs) who's in the uh finals and if there was ever a school that i visited that i would say 20 plus years later that this school would be a hockey dominant university it would not be quinnipiac what an amazing story they are it's uh it is it's a it's a really interesting and and they've become kind of the model of success point where teams have looked at there's i mean there was already teams out there that had kind of been like hey we're division three or division two for other sports but we can go into division one hockey and make it the biggest show on campus. And I love how Quinnipiac has done that. They've, they've gone and they've recruited players that want to come and be the, the biggest show on campus. They've, they've gone and they've made it a good fit there. And like, it's, it's wild. Their coach has been there, Gavin, their coach has been there since they were a division two and a club team in like the nineties, actually, he's been there for the entire time. So it's, it's, it's a great story. It's a great story to see how it's kind of risen up and, and grown. And uh, it's, even though they've, they've established themselves as a power already, they're still looking for that first title. So uh, them versus the traditional Minnesota and obviously against last night against Michigan, a traditional power last night, I guess it's a fun story for college hockey. And it's also kind of the, I think it's also a good proof of life to other programs that really uh, like, as, as we want college hockey to grow, right? Like it's yeah. proof of life that like, uh, I don't know, we're in Dallas. Uh, any, 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 any uh, SMU uh, hockey, any SMU donors, big hockey fans. I don't know. Just thinking Man, out loud. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know UNT has a good club team. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. So um, I know Houston's trying to do some funding right now to uh, get their club team moving. So it's just cool to see that, you know, college is on the, uh, on the rise. So speaking of on the rise, two quality wins this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked on Monday, you had mentioned that Nashville was a desperate uh, opponent. They needed yep. to win to stay in the playoff hunt. Stars took care of business other than a slow start in the first period, which um, Pete DeBoer pointed out after the game, you could clearly see it. Um, and the stars pull off a nice win last night against the flyers. And, you know, I, I just, to sum up, I mean, it's amazing watching Jason Robertson. I want your thoughts on the game, but just the last play of the first period kind of sums up what I love about Jason Robertson. I think there are NHL players that would just skate around the zone. 
and just kind of look up at the clock and realize, but not only to, you know, do that rush, but to continue that rush and put it top shelf um, to go up one, nothing. I mean, it really, even DeBoer mentioned after the game, it changed the momentum of the game. Well, it's with, with Jason, it's there's his hockey IQ is, is, is great. Like it's, it's, we, we talk about it a ton and, but it, it can't really be understated. It's a lot of the stuff. There's a, one of the things about that play, like if you go back and you watch that play and I just pulled up the video while you were, so I could, he, when he gets the puck with like eight, seven, eight seconds left at the blue line, you can see him do the, the check to the clock. He does, he gives the clock check where he, and he's got it. And so it's, it, he started that internal countdown in his head just to get off one more shot. Obviously you always shoot to score, but really it's get one more and just what happens. And it's, it's that those little details where he knows to have enough time to get a shot off. And 99% of the time it's a nothing shot and nothing happens, but you know what? The one time it does like this, it changes momentum. It's like, it is such a wonderful little detail play that is not as uh seems simple but it's not and it, it's it's one of those things where jason robertson makes so many simple things look easy and he's so effective at so many simple things that uh that uh just there's the wherewithal to that like i mean there's a lot of guys who i don't want to like you don't want to pick it's there's a lot of guys who get the puck in that situation where and maybe if they do get the shot they it's 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 not a real scoring chance it's a kill out the clock time it's but that's that's an elite decision making right there just from everything down to the timing just to get the shot off even if he doesn't score it's a, an elite thing so yeah absolutely and then the stars come out pretty hot in the second period uh scoring on a power play uh, kind of a double tip by jamie penn and uh joe pavelski um i i do like to rewind and say how did this start and it was really off the face-off with Tyler Sagan with a nice face-off win. Yeah, it was. And it was, uh, it's the Stars power play is kind of coming together at the right time right now. Um, Miro Heishkin had hit his 58th assist on, uh, last night on the, on the, on that one. Like it's, uh, the Stars, it, it, it is a really, we talked earlier in the week about checking boxes before you go into the playoffs and, having a clicking power play wasn't one we specifically talked about, but it is something where with four games left in the regular season or whatever it is, like this is how you want to see your power play going. You want to see those small details, the face-off win, things like that, that are, that are going to be the difference um, come April 17th when the postseason starts. Yeah, it it really is. And Boy, I, I just, I really like the moment. And obviously tomorrow I think is going to be such a fun test for both teams. Both teams have a lot to play for Minnesota losing last night uh, against Pittsburgh. Craig pointed it out yesterday on the podcast uh, that Minnesota would struggle in this game because this is a Pittsburgh team. That's really, you know, fighting for a uh, playoff spot. Obviously the East is the beast this year. So uh, it's just, it's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts. Where do you think all the top three are going to end up? And 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 do we know? I mean, I, I'm yeah. loving the fact with Seattle in my sight, Sean. I'll just say that. If I can avoid Minnesota and Colorado in the first round, I think it's going to be tough because Colorado has those games in hand. 
and, and they do play Anaheim still, but you never know. I mean, win out and see what happens. Well, I mean, them and Minnesota both, there's no more games in hand for Minnesota. Minnesota well, there is, and, no, I Min- thought Colorado had a game. Colo- in hand. Colorado has a game in hand. Yeah. Minnesota and Dallas are at, I, I think we're in the ideal spot. I, I don't think you, you, you obviously want to win the division. Um, now Colorado has the, like, you're tied with Colorado in points. You've got four games left. They've got five games left. Um, I Minnesota is has just two points back. Minnesota, like in theory, could win the division, but it's very hard to see them getting the necessary points to catch and pass Dallas. Um, or or and or it's, it's almost impossible actually with uh, when it comes down to regulation wins. Actually, I'm just looking at that right now where. The stars also have the have have the tiebreaker when it comes to regulation wins on that, so that's another benefit for Dallas. It it look I don't see I I it comes to me a good thing now I, I it's I see it very different I looks very difficult for me to uh, with the stretch here to find a Dallas Colorado first round to me it feels like it's either it feels like this race has kind of emerged as Dallas Colorado for the division and. Yep. That's kind of like that's a good thing. I don't. I think you're you're. If you want to win the whole thing, you'll have to beat Colorado at some point. But it's nice to worry about Colorado in the second round. And so I, I think we're looking at a spot where the Stars' stretch run is: are they going to get the? Uh, are they going to? Are they going to get the Wild or are they going to get the Kraken? And honestly, I'm not too displeased with either of those. I think obviously Minnesota is a little bit. Minnesota's a little bit of a different matchup, maybe a little bit uh maybe a little bit stingier defensively, but I also think there is there is something to be said, because hockey's an emotional sport. It is. I think there is something to be said about there is a slight danger that Seattle poses as in to play off their branding. There is something lurking about a team playing its first ever playoff series yeah. and um I mean, who was it? It was the, there's the famous Sharks beat the Red Wings when the Sharks, it was either their expand, either the first, one of the first couple of years after the Sharks were an expansion team, they came into the playoffs as an eight seed and they beat Detroit. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like just a huge, like first playoff series ever for San Jose, something along those lines where they just really just seized opportunity. And so um, you're going to have to play a good team either way. And I, in Dallas, it's either going to be Minnesota or Seattle. And I I would prefer to be in the spot to play Seattle just from the perspective of you get the you get the home you get the you'll get the home ice advantage in the second round. And that's that's where I start to uh nitpick on yep. what the best fit is. Um it also goes back and, and once again to go what we talked about earlier this week, the stars there will be an opponent waiting there. The stars, the biggest thing is checking off those boxes of having Jake Ottinger rolling, knowing who your six defensemen are and getting healthy before that. That's, those are the three biggest things, but not necessarily who it is. Then we can really start to worry about who it is. Um, if you, if you want to read about it, but this is a good team. People remember the stars are a good team. Like other people are looking at the stars and want to avoid them. And I think there's more, I think I think there's more of that than there is of the stars wanting to avoid other teams. And that's a great spot. That's the mark of a very good team. And I think we need to kind of acknowledge that. So I do want to say that in the two games, and granted it's against Nashville and Philadelphia, but you know, these are NHL teams. The comfort that Thomas Harley has displayed and the ability to get out of the defensive zone, it the best compare the best way I can say it is it's like he's been with the team all year. Um, he's re- I thought he really has played well over the last two games. He has. And the other thing about Thomas Harley is a very good example of something that people sometimes want to some people sometimes want to rip Jim Nill for his over ripened view of prospects um they sometimes think he's too patient on things and people said that about jake ottinger last season when they were like oh 
what if what if the stars had started the season with Jake Ottinger in the NHL? Well, Jake Ottinger wasn't ready to be Jake Ottinger at the start of the last season in the NHL. He needed AHL seasoning. And it's one of the spaces where some of the people who I hear some people are like, oh, why wasn't he up earlier? I would argue Thomas Harley playing as much as he did in the AHL, playing as well as he did in the AHL. I, I think Thomas Harley's development was great this year. I think it built the confidence the right way. I think he was able to learn and make mistakes with the Texas Stars down in Cedar Park. And so he came into the game last night in a playoff hunt area type area in, in the last two games. And he just played his game. He wasn't overly thinking about how he had to win a job. He wasn't over. You could see, I, I went through and watched his shifts this morning. Like there's so much confidence in there. And he's always been a confident player that that was never going to change. Um, but there's the confidence in the middle of chaos where he's making the right decisions. There's so many. Um, I went and pulled uh, some clips for this and I'll probably try to put some of them together maybe to, to share on Twitter later where he makes a lot of little plays where those are the reasons he'll make the team and he'll play in the playoffs that I think people might miss. There's the, um, uh, there's, there was once there was one play where kind of a bit of a broken play at the blue line, it goes to Harley and he makes the quick beeline pass to Ty Delandria, the opposite blue line where Delandria doesn't get a chance or a shot, but it's that, that type of pass where the movement of the ice, the manipulation of the space could create a scoring chance at another point. Or there's the play where he, um, there's a play along the boards. Um, and I talked about Jason Robertson earlier, where Jason Robertson did the, did the checkup on the scoreboard before that goal with, within the last seconds of the first period. There's a play I loved last night where we're watching Harley, where he's going to get the puck. He's going to dig the puck off the boards. And if you watch closely, you can see him do the shoulder check for where the four checkers are coming. A confident player, a smart player, makes that shoulder check. It's not fear, it's reading the room. It's reading the situation where a, in, an unconfident younger player goes to that puck and is swiveling and throwing it off the glass as quick as possible. Harley instead read the play and made a decision. And those are the little things that I think we just see that he got from playing 24 minutes a night in Texas, playing all those things. Like, I, I don't think he, Thomas Harley, if he had been in the NHL earlier this season, I don't think he's this version of Thomas Harley because he's playing 12, 13 minutes a night. He's worried about getting scratched. Um, it's, he the development path was right for Thomas Harley. Now, to be clear, just to add the quick caveat, and we don't have to go deep down this path, but just to add the quick caveat, just because they made the right decision about Thomas Harley's development doesn't mean they necessarily made the right decision about Nils Lundqvist. That doesn't mean the, the, the two are not, I'm not completely co-signing everything they've done with defensemen this year, but yep. you have you have to you have to give the you we 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 uh threw some barbs about the Lundquist situation. I also want to give credit to the Harley situation. I you, you, you give you give your wins and losses properly, and the way they handled the Harley this year was the right decision. Well, I think there's also a, you know, with development, Sean. I think you know being sent down. I think you know there are some players that could react differently, and there are those players which seem to be Harley, where it's like I still have a lot to learn. This is not a guaranteed situation and because he got up to the NHL pretty quick. Um, and I think that also psychologically coming back in, knowing where to fit in the room, um, having that because he came up with a lot of confidence this time around. Yeah. I, I also think there's a bit of a, um, there's also a bit of for younger players with, and I don't want to be accused of stereotyping here, but it, it, I guess it, it is a stereotype, so I apologize. Um, but there, for a lot of the times, you see the AHL as a demote, where guys see the AHL as an emotion or somewhere where they don't want to be. It tends to be a lot of guys who come from outside the North American system. 
um, Val Nachushkin, part of his, like, he wasn't leaving Russia to go play in the AHL. He was leaving Russia to play in the NHL. And then when you end up in the AHL, you're like, what am I doing here? Um, and same thing with when it came with Nils Lundqvist and kind of finding his right fit in the Rangers organization, where it's not like in Sweden, they talk about the Hartford Wolfpack, right? Like, just like, yeah. it's, like it's, it's the, like, you talk about the New York Rangers. And not that Thomas Harley... And there are definitely North American players that have issues when they get sent down. I'm not saying that's the case, but there is Thomas Harley. It's not like Thomas Harley was in a different country in a different country where he didn't know anyone. And he, and and they weren't speaking his language like the Nichushkin situation or the Gurionov situation or anything like that with some of those guys. So I, I think there is an element to that of comfort. I also think there is a, reality of when it comes to being a defenseman and you want to play playing 25 minutes a night scoring points being one of the best guys on the team that's not like it's 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 not a bad thing like it's yeah. it's not like it's, it's it's not a bad thing it's not like and austin and this is another and uh and, and slight teaser, you and I will probably talk a little bit more about this on Monday, but like Austin is a place where from a spot where there's a minor league hockey team, it's not like, and, I, and I'm going to say this to, with all due respect to Rockford, it's not Rockford. It's not like, like it, it, it's, it's Austin, Texas. It's, it's not a bad, it, it's a really nice place to play minor league hockey. The players love it. The atmosphere is great. Like, the stars have done a great job making the Texas stars an extension of the franchise an extension of the, of where things go. And it allowed Harley to be at his best and he's going to be, he's going to play in the playoffs. He's going to come into next year with a ton of confidence. Uh, he is, they've handled Thomas Harley the right way. Um, and it's like, I, I, I think it's uh I think it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Now, once again, once again, with the caveat, I don't think they handled Nils Lundqvist the right way. But Thomas Harley's situation is moving in the right direction, and that's and that's good. Yeah, um, wanted to also ask you about Colin Miller, mm-hmm. um, who's been on this scoring tear as of late. Now, an offensive threat. Have you seen any change in his game, or is this just a, a, a streak? Six goals now on the season, three recently. Yeah, I mean he, he's. He got moved off the pair with Miro, right? So he played with yep. Harley the past couple of games. And I think there is uh, something we saw at an elite level with Miro where Miro deferred a little bit whenever he would play with Klingberg. I, I think Colin Miller um, has been deferring less lately. Um, I think there's a, uh, and so I, I think that that's part of it. He's willing to be a little bit more of the shooter on the pairing. Um, he's also got a much better, um, he has a better shot he has a better shot than Harley too. So I think there's a little bit of a, of a natural decision there as well. Um, Miller is an interesting case where I think him with Harley, one of the things that, that they've covered for each other. Well, Um, and those are two guys who, if you were trying to like put up red flags of your worry about them for the playoffs was, can they play if they're not playing with Miro and, or without an elite, without an elite shutdown guy. And I think the fact that Miller and Harley covered for each other. Well, the fact they, they created for each other. um, I think that's another good sign that that pair can work. And uh, Miller, I want Miller shooting more. Like I think I honestly, I would have liked to see him, get a little bit more power play time this year, just from the perspective of he's got like he, he one year, he won the hardest shot competition in the AHL. Like he's got a cannon. Like I'd like to yeah. see that deployed a little bit more too. So I would too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would too. We're going to talk positives today. So we won't, I, well, I guess we could mention, I thought Ryan Suter had a little rough game last night, um, but uh, we've already gone down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. uh so on to tomorrow so it's kind of a fascinating game because you know even though both teams are in the playoffs they have a lot to play for and uh 
Vegas has just been, Bruce Cassidy's done a really, really nice job there. We've talked about that on the podcast. It's just going through multiple goalies, going through multiple injuries, and just somehow they continue to be counted out, but continue to win. So um, they've put together a really, really nice team. And, uh, but they have a lot to play for because Edmonton's playing some of their best hockey of the year and Edmonton's nipping at them in the Pacific. So, um, and they also want to solidify number one in the West. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by tomorrow's afternoon game. It should both, I would think both teams would come out with pretty fast legs. Yeah, it's, uh, it would be, Vegas is, Vegas is a very good team. They're deep. They I like the way they play with Bruce Cassidy. Um, they, uh, they're a very good team. It's a team that's that honestly the biggest question mark about them going forward is which goalie will get the net in the first round when, because I, I, it's, they haven't clinched the division yet, but I'm pretty sure Vegas can clinch the division tomorrow. If I do my like rough yeah. rudimentary math, like them getting to one Oh eight would put them five points ahead of, of Edmonton. Um, and then Edmonton could, and I wouldn't clinch, but, but to win tomorrow for Vegas would put them pretty damn close to, to, to clinching the, the Pacific. So one of the biggest questions, um, with, uh, with, with at Vegas really is when they go is who will they be playing? Cause it'll either be the, the wild card races getting really wild <laughs> over the last with, with, with four games to play for, and and who will be in goal? And the other night, I thought it was really interesting that Jonathan Quick did not get the net in the revenge game, potential revenge game against the Kings. That seemed like kind of a a spot where you would have naturally gone with Quick back back against the Kings. And um, now Lauren Brassois played really well. That was the right decision. But you have uh, Logan Thompson, who's been really good this year, but is coming off injury. Will he play before the end of the season? Vegas is a team that has gone from that, that, that they're kind of uh, opposites, not opposite, but you look at Vegas and you look back at net at the net and you're like, I just, I wonder in the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to have the right guy in net. And as a stars fan, it should make you feel really happy because you don't have that question. And honestly, this, I know this wasn't the point of the question, but like you go through the Western conference um against Colorado I'm taking the Stars goaltending against Minnesota I'm taking the Stars goaltending against Vegas I'm taking the Stars goaltending against Edmonton I'm taking the Stars goaltending against LA I'm taking the Stars goaltending yep. against Seattle I'm definitely taking the Stars goaltending the only one where I the only potential where I don't take where where I start to have pause about is Jake Ottinger the better goalie is if you end, end up getting meeting Winnipeg or Nashville, yeah. because frankly, UC Soros has dragged the Predators into the, like UC Soros probably should be, at least be in the conversation. He won't win, but he should be in the conversation for the Hart Trophy if Nashville gets in. And uh, Connor Hellebuck is still one of the best goalies in the world. Like, yep. but it's, the Stars have the, you can easily make the case. The Stars have the best goaltending situation in the Western Conference. Yeah. And yeah. That's Vegas may have the least secure goaltending situation in the Western Conference. So it's uh it's it's a spot where is it a little bit cliche to just talk about goaltending? Yes, but it is it is it is it is the the problem that Vegas has to figure out of are they gonna make the right choice? And um I I hope I how great would it be? for a Vegas LA series. Like just, I, I, I hope it's quick just for the storylines of how great would a Vegas, uh, Vegas LA series be with John quick against, against the Kings. That'd be great. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, and we, we've talked, we've talked of, about how we want to replicate what they did in baseball with the world baseball classic. And I was just thinking, you know, everyone's thinking about team USA with, uh, Matthews and Jason Robertson and just all the talent. Um, and we really haven't talked about the goaltending of TM team USA, where you're probably going to have a hell of a Ottinger one, two combo. 
Yeah, uh, it would be definitely. I want to make sure I have this. This it would be definitely Hellebuck and Ottinger would definitely be the two, and then I guess your other one would probably be at this point. Depends on what your view of. I mean, before this season, with how we played this season, John Gibson and Thatcher Demko would be in that conversation. But right now, it's but right now it's definitely. It's a Ottinger Hellebuck are definitely one and two in that in that realm yeah. for your your two American goalies. And then then there's a whole there's a big race between the Jeremy Swayman, Jack uh Jack Campbell, Casey DeSmith, <laughs> uh, uh probably see how Thatcher Demko turns things around. Yeah. Uh like it's a and Demko's been better since he came back from injury. But yeah, he has. I look at yeah. some of those guys too. Like I, I look and I'm saying the teams they're on, like Demko in Vancouver, Gibson in Anaheim. Like if I put Gibson on the stars, for example, like mm-hmm. obviously I think Jake Ottinger's better, but surrounding yes, Gibson yes. and Demko with better players, how good or how much better would they be? It's it's just like for example like Jeremy Swayman right like he's the backup in Boston and Olmark's yeah. having a tremendous year but is Jeremy Swayman a nine twenty one save percentage goalie outside of Boston I I don't think he is but that's but it's it's like it, it's it's all about it's what circumstance handles for you um, just like I don't know if case like for example you look at uh, Spencer Knight, who obviously is who's going through uh, his own stuff with the program right now and with the with the player assistance program, but but he is someone who, under a more defensively guided system, is he? I think he's a little bit better of a goalie than his numbers show this year. Um, it environment is important when looking at these things, and it's sometimes it's hard to distill it, and it's a, uh, it's it's a, uh, it's the reason that like we talk about goaltending where. I'm not uh I'm not sure on I'm not I'm not taking anything away from what Linus Olmark has set, has done this year, but I also am more impressed with what UC Saros has done this year behind that Nashville team, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So coming up, the stars have Vegas, then the Red Wings on Monday, then a back-to-back with the Blues Wednesday and Thursday. I'm kind of interested to get your thoughts. Play Pete DeBoer, play Jim Nell. What is your goalie schedule? Let me look at the schedule here. So I for, for while you look at that, I'm going to have Andre yeah. go. I'm going to have him go tomorrow. I'm going to have him go Monday. And then I'm going to have him sit one of the games, preferably Thursday. Um. Yeah, so... I mean, Ottinger definitely plays tomorrow against against Vegas. Um, he will be at. He's played. That'll be a sixtieth, sixtieth, sixtieth appearance of the year. Um, I would like Ottinger to play two of the. I'd I'd actually like to pull. I'd like to cut him off at sixty starts. Just thinking of um of how it goes and i and so i think i actually want scat wedgwood to play two of the next four okay um just from a perspective of you i, I really want your best jake andre going to the playoffs like i haven't played against vegas tomorrow night um i think detroit i think detroit gets a i think you play scott wedgwood against detroit because i I want this would be only Wedgwood's second NHL start since he came back from the injury. Um, and as much as like you, you don't ever want to plan for the word, you don't want the worst case scenario. You also want the break glass in case of emergency ready too. So like I, I don't want I, I want Scott I don't want Scott Wedgwood to have played two NHL games as the backup. To, and then like hopefully you never need Scott Wedgwood, but I do want him to have played a little bit more. So I I would split the four games between the two of them with. Ottinger getting the Vegas game, Wedgwood getting the Detroit game, and then probably, probably, Det- it, it probably how you handle the back to back against St. Louis to me probably is determined on how you're going to handle 
the rest of your lineup and where the standings are. Like, I, I think that one is, I, I think that will be a very fascinating discussion for the stars to have on after they've played these next two games, if they're in a spot where they need to win, win them both to get to win the division. I think you go Ottinger game one. Um, I think you go, you know what? I think you go Ottinger game one either way. I think he, you get Ottinger in St. Louis, then Scott Wedgwood gets the Thursday season finale. I, I think you do it that way. Um, but that Thursday season finale is going to be interesting to see how the Stars handle some other things because if things are locked up in certain ways, you don't need to play Tyler Sagan that game. You don't need to, like, you have yeah. you have Nils Lundqvist and Thomas and, and, and Joel Hanley sitting on the bench, healthy scratch right now. Like, uh, if there's nothing on the line in that Thursday, April thirteenth game, that game becomes very much a uh, package every package everyone and packing peanuts that has anything. Get it, get as many guys in as possible that are not going to play game one. Obviously, there's rules with recalls now you can only get so many non-emergency recalls so you can't just it's not as simple as just calling you can't call up the texas stars to play the game but if, that, <laughs> but, if but if but if that game doesn't mean anything i don't want to risk anything in the second game of a back-to-back bef- with and with four days before game one or i mean game one will either be april 17th or 18th so with either four or five days before game one so do you think that the stars brass looks at the avalanche results. For instance, we'll play tomorrow afternoon. The abs are in LA to play the Kings tomorrow night. And then Sunday they play the Ducks. So before Monday's uh, stars game, the stars will have a pretty good idea where the abs stand. Mm-hmm. And then the, the abs have the uh, Oilers on Tuesday and um, they have the Jets and the Predators, which they should beat. So a couple of tough ones for the Avs. Do you think they're scoreboard watching, or do they just have their own regimen? Yeah, I, I think you have to be. I think you have to take your own regiment into it. It's the. It's more so of that last game of the year. I think where you have scoreboard watching. I think from the Stars game eighty two is more is the only one that really determines on what the Avs do because. Um, and and you say, for example, like you say Nashville and the Avs should beat Nashville and Winnipeg. But remember, look at the wild card race right now. Nashville and Winnipeg, they play this weekend. That one is absolutely huge. You talk about a playoff game like Nashville and Winnipeg play tomorrow. And the winner of that game will be in the driver's seat to get the wild card. Like that is a that the must watch hockey game if you're not a Stars fan. Yeah is on, on Saturday is Nashville Winnipeg. So whoever played the Colorado will be playing two teams that in theory could be down to the wire to get into the playoffs. So it's, it's a tougher schedule for Colorado. Um, but as, as a stars, I stick to how do I get the best team for game one? I want to win the division, but I also don't want to have some wackiness come out of having made the wrong decision and, worried about game 82 more than game one of the playoffs with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, my friend, we uh, shall resume this podcast on Monday and we shall find out a lot. And good news, Stars fans, we're going to pick up more pods as this uh, playoff uh, 
uh, begins. So uh, a lot more spits and suds because we want to give you uh, as much recaps and tell you game previews and what we saw and what we're looking forward to in uh, the weeks ahead. So uh, if you haven't, uh, you know, subscribe to Spits and Suds on your favorite podcast channel. Spread the word. Local uh, hockey right here in uh, DFW being talked about. It's called uh, Spits and Suds. My friend, have a wonderful puck weekend. I picture in the Shapiro household, one TV on kind of golf, but mostly <laughs> on hockey. Am I correct? Well, uh, we've got it's golf's on the TV today for sure. Okay. We'll uh, definitely have the. It's uh, that's kind of uh, you kind of you have it spot on there actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. One one quick thing because yeah. you know as he always does, Ludwig disagrees with every opinion I ever have. But before I forget, you wrote a really good Dallas Stars history book, which I want you to plug for those who haven't picked it up. For those Stars fans that are just coming in, you need to pick up Sean Shapiro's book, and the name of the book is. 100 Things Stars Fans Should uh, Know and Do Before They Die uh, came out in 2018. Obviously, been some history since then, but still uh, yep. really, really, really good book that, uh, of course, I say that I'm the one that wrote it. Uh, Fred Ludwig is actually was actually uh, uh, interviewed for the book. He's in there's some stuff with him in there uh, when I when I worked to write the book uh luds uh i'll take a shot at him on this even though uh lud said that he'd never read it but uh one i should say if i ever did an audio book he would he would he would pretend to listen to it so (laughs) (laughs) well i brought yeah that's that's typical luds and i bring that up because he completely disagreed with me he's like why do you care and my point was is that maybe i'm old school uh which i am but i just thought when you point out time and time again that Jason Robertson's the first Dallas star and there were four other guys but they played in Minnesota I don't know it just kind of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way and I think as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast Sean prior to Dallas I lived in Houston the Houston Oilers had moved to Nashville the Houston Texans were trying to form their own identity. So there were amazing historic NFL players that played for the Oilers in Houston, like Dan Pastorini, Billy White Shoes Johnson, um, Robert Brazil. Um, and they were just forgotten. And they, you know, talking to them, they didn't have a team. And I just, I just want Stars fans to, I understand the Minnesota Dallas rivalry and Luds is like, you're, this is, it doesn't matter. But to me, it's like, I want people to remember, or at least look up the history of Neil Broughton and how much he meant to USA yeah. hockey and how he was a stars captain, albeit for a few months. Um, granted, most of his time was in Minnesota and won a cup in Jersey. Um, but how good Bobby Smith was, how good Dino Cicerelli, you know, because I don't think those players are being embraced on the wild or, side, if I'm or, well and and like with right now we keep talking about Miro Heishkinen and he's chasing defensive points records sent by Sergei Zubov and yeah. stuff like that but like Craig Hartsburg was one of the um Craig Hartsburg with the North Stars which you talk about the guy who played in an era when probably medical advancements weren't enough to keep his career going. He ended up, his career ended up kind of fizzling out because of hip injuries where today almost every, it's like almost every one of the stars almost have like a punch card for hip surgeries. It feels like every single guy is at a hip surgery. Uh, but Craig Hartsburg is someone who has gotten lost to history because what he did and everything like that with the North stars, the way he was one of the, the early bearers of the offensive puck moving defense. And that kind of got lost to history because the stars don't the stars don't really have as much acknowledge it to it. I mean, uh, I know Bill Goldsworthy, for example, his number is retired in Dallas. Um, but there's kind of a space that gets lost. I mean, I, I always go back to it. I've made this case before, and I'll say it again. I, I just there's to me the weird thing about the stars and the way they look at the North Stars history is I don't understand why they retire. North Stars numbers, but don't acknowledge the two trips to the Stanley Cup final and the rafters with, uh, but don't like 
this team went to the Stanley Cup final. This franchise went to the Stanley Cup final in 1981 and 1991 as the North Stars. Mike Madonna was part of that team in 1991. By not putting the North Stars achievements, by not putting the banner in the rafters that even acknowledges the North Stars, you're forgetting part of the history of Mike Madonna too. Like it's 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 something where it's just like I I, I know Lud's mice may say, why do you care? Why do you care? Why do you care? Because sports and the connection to sports is history in so many ways that that's we it's why why do we at the end of the day why do we care who won a game why do we care who lost a game at the end of the day we're all go we're all going we're we're leaving the game we're going home we're going to go have dinner it's it's about enjoyment it's about happiness it's about kind of the connection to 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 the sport and so why why do you why do I care about the North Stars not being acknowledged? It's the same reason where it's the same reason that I think it's I I, I it's the same reason that I think banners are great. Like I think sometimes like I know sometimes people will like rip the Predators for like hanging a Central Division banner or whatever, and but like the Stars do that too. Like banners are great. Banners are stories. Sports are stories. Like you you look up to the ceiling and you see like oh man the the 2015-16 Dallas Stars, right? They didn't win the cup. So, but there's still a banner up there from having won the Central Division, from having the best Western and the Western Recovery. Where you look up to that and you have the moment and you think about, and you think about the what we called the Supernova line with Jason Spezza and, and Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. And you look up and it gives you the reminder of that. Yep. And... It, or you look at the uh, you you look at the, the the I think it's the Pacific Division one from I believe got to get make sure of the year right but you basically you look up and you think about Brendan Morrow scoring in on in, on Cinco de Moro and Marty Turco having three shutouts in, in in one playoff series and those touch points are so vital where it's something it's it's such a vital standpoint where for people who were there they bring it up. For people, it becomes a generational passing thing. There's kids who will look at. There's kids who like. I mean, God, we have. There's players on the Stars who. What year was Wyatt Johnson born? Wyatt Johnson was born after the Stars won the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's there's players there's kids Wyatt Johnson's age who will go to a game and see the championship banner from '99, and there's the and their parents or someone older will be able to share stories about it. And the North stars, Bill, I mean, at least Bill Goldsworthy is up there. So people can talk about it, but like Craig Hartsburg, I go back to Craig Hartsburg where with the North stars being basically kind of forgotten and erased, there's stories and history that are really good. Yeah. That have just gotten lost. And it's just, it, and it's, and that's, that's, that's why like, and that's why you talk about a character. Like, my case to Luds would be, and, and and Luds spent his time in Montreal, and I've talked to him quite a bit about how much his time in Montreal meant. And this would never happen because of how strong the Canadians' history is. But if all of a sudden I got rid of the Montreal Canadiens' history, and those teams that the, those teams that he played for, where he talks about that were really defining moments of his life and everything like that, and it just became it just, it was just kind of erased. I mean, I I, I would question how, how, how would you, how would you feel about that? Because that's what happened. And I know the North stars didn't win 10 Stanley cups. I know they did or 23 Stanley cups, the way the Canadians have, I know the North stars did have that, but it, it is a history of the franchise and it's Dallas has also done the weird, like jumping the line, trying to straddle the line in ways that I don't like, where it's like, I either want them to either be the Dallas stars only or embrace your history too, because yeah. the whalers, the, the Herhoffer whalers left and they go to Carolina. And I think the whalers actually, the, what they do in Carolina almost feels more of a slap in the face sometimes right? Exactly. because a it's clearly a merch cash grab. The whalers logo is great. I give you credit for that. That's fine. But the Carolina Hurricanes did not honor the Hartford Whalers retired numbers. They did not honor that history. 
they just put the jersey on and sell it as a cash grab every couple for a game every year. And it just feels like such a slap in the face to some of that Hartford history where I'm fine. If you, if you want to wear the, the Whalers jersey, do that, but honor the history more too. So, oh yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Joe Sackick's a good example. And, you know, a lot of people think of him as a Colorado avalanche, but I mean, Joe Sackick was so huge as a Quebec Nordique. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, I just like to bring it up because I like stars fans on this podcast to think about history. Um, we did talk to Mike Madano this week on 105.3, the fan, Sean. And one of the things that he pointed out, which I thought was so cool was, you know, he's got a home in Arizona and he happened to be at that game with Jason Robertson and did get a text from stars PR. And uh, would you mind sticking around? And he said, sure, no problem. And stuck around, went down and saw some of the guys in the room. And then, you know, took that picture that, you know, spread on uh, Twitter and other social platforms. So I thought that was really cool and a stick tap to uh, the former captain of the stars, um, you know, uh, for doing that. And uh, we did ask him, Sean, about uh, having a street name. And uh, he said, uh, there has to be an alley in Dallas, Fort Worth that's worthy of my name. So <laughs> I think he uh, now, of course, I told that to Ludwig and Ludwig said that was his line to him. So <laughs> but uh I mean, I, I personally, Ludwig hates it when I talk about it, but I, I love to reminisce about that cup team too, because even I think those personalities, granted we had a pandemic, but you know, we really didn't celebrate the 20th anniversary of that Stanley cup team. And, and to me, that's something that needs to be put on the forefront because I think that elevated hockey in Dallas, Fort Worth, and so many generations of kids coming up and, you know, I mean, that that to me, that those personalities, the Ludwigs, the Madonos, the Newendikes, you know, those people have meant so much in Dallas. And the other thing, too, about sports and history is. It's I, I, I can understand play if you play the game and you played at the NHL level and I never and, and this is Craig Ludwig did you played at a level where you came to it from that entry point. And that's great, but we need history and storytelling opens up so many more ways to connect people to the game, to grow hockey. Like I just, it's, I, I think we need to embrace it as much as possible. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, absolutely. Sorry to go down that rabbit hole, but uh, didn't want to uh, forget on that. You're a beast, my friend. Can't wait to hear your hockey thoughts from the weekend and we'll catch up with you on Monday. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for everyone that tunes in and listens and spreads the words about spits and suds. We keep mentioning we had a record month in March, so let's make it an even better April. Have a great hockey weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday.